many wells flowing at many thousand barrels per day. I like to think of myself as an oil man. As an oil man, I hope that you'll forgive just good old-fashioned plain speaking. Now, this work that we do is very much a family enterprise. I work side by side with my wonderful son, H.W. I think one or two of you might have met him already. I encourage my men to bring their families as well. Never so much more rewarding life for them. Family means children. Children means education. So wherever we set up camp, education is a necessity, and we're just so happy to take care of that. So let's build a wonderful school in Little Boston. These children are the future that we strive for, and so they should have the very best of things. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Yo, 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 yo. How you doing, Bobo? Hi, Dave. I'm doing pretty well. Pretty pretty nice day where I am. How about, how about yourself? Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. I feel like... This is why you move to Colorado this time of year. I know that like everyone says that going up, like living in Vermont or the Northeast is like the place to be for fall and spring. But I just feel like Colorado, we had a 90 degree day today, like just like shorts and barefoot weather in the middle, uh, not the middle, but a long time ago or sorry, a long time ago at the end of September, Bob is what I'm trying to say. And even more so, Bob, I just realized as I looked down at my watch that today marks three years of, sorry, 11 years of Julie and I starting to date. This is our dating anniversary. That's right. It is. The big September 26th. Nice. And you turn 40 tomorrow, more importantly. Equally importantly. <laughs> Equally important. Yes. You got any big birthday plans? Uh, I've been treating the whole month like a birthday month. And so I've had some nice, um, you know, cakes here and there, meals, went to get, uh, my nails did at the salon, uh, a nice little pedicure. And so tomorrow I have to work. It's a Monday tomorrow. Um, so can't fully dive into it but it's it's a big 4-0 Dave and you you got to think about what the decades mean in terms of birthdays society has us think about that like for example what did it mean to turn 30 for you Dave what did that birthday mean um kind of felt like it was the time of my life where you start performing you know like you start doing all the stuff you've been trained to do. It's the time where you actually get some shit done, as they say. And at least that, that was my mindset going into it a little bit. And I think that that's been true looking seven years, se- seven years into it. Would you say that that's what you think about with 30? Uh, yeah, I thought of it as like really being an adult and 
like trying to sort of make it on my own. Um, of course, we're all very interconnected, so there's no like real one's own, you know, that's a bit of a, you know, illusory concept, but just, you know, try, try to, try to really start soaring or something like that. So I think similar, similar things to what you're talking about. Yeah. So then what does your forties mean? Um, I think it means that you are like kind of like, well, you know, if everyone's life is very different, so take all this with a caveat, but you know, we, we think of ourselves probably living till 75 years old or 80, you know, with life expectancy. So it's like, okay, this is like now the, the mid middle of one's life. And I think it comes with like, this is when maybe a person is at the height of their powers. Um, like whatever that may be, you know, not necessarily like negative power, but, um, this is when maybe one that's like locked in or like has done the things to like, I'm thinking like, you know, some people like in my field, this is when they get tenure, you know, and start having that power or maybe become a Dean or something like that. So I'm thinking about that's probably true for me. You know, I'm not a tenure track professor, but in my forties, I will likely, if things go well, um, I'll be like what they call a continuing lecturer after 18 quarters of lecturing at UCSC. And so I'm just sort of thinking like, I probably will be at whatever it is, my my height of my powers. And I need to use that responsibly and like with consciousness um, and not deny that, you know, sometimes people deny that they have power, um, but sort of look to where that power is and use it as best I can. Yeah. Maybe it's like you do the work in your thirties and by the time you get to your forties, it's when you, you, this is where you make your mark almost. Yeah. This is, this is the time where you're going to like go out and make that signature bake. Yeah. And yeah, it is not going to be the last time that we're talking about the great British bake off on this episode, Bob. (laughs) That's good. I think I'm done talking about my birthday. Can we transition into bake off? Yeah. Oh boy. Well, here's the deal. We, are like in the white room, as we call it on this show, in between eps and... In between seasons. Yeah, that's what I mean. We're always in between the episodes, Bob. <laughs> what, if, what if in between episodes, they just like, we just like wheeled you into a closet and, and like tucked you away and we brought out robot Bob Maisler, you know? Yeah, put me into the cryogenic freezer for a week yeah. or two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what is that guy's name? I'm thinking of the winter soldier from Captain America, but maybe that reference is not quite, um, it's a little bit lost on some people, but yeah, freeze thaw you out for another episode of thriving in dystopia. So we could do this for another 150 years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dave, Dave the third, I'll be podcasting with Dave the third. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh man, that guy, that guy's rubbish. <laughs> he talks about you in the same way. I'm just always like, no, y- y- your granddaddy was a good man. He was a good man. <laughs> right. Um, so what I, what we're doing is we're in the white room between seasons and it's one of our favorite places to be. And it's just been so long that we've got to catch up with each other about the old entertainment. And I think it's always nice for me to hear what other people are like into. Uh, what did we used to call it, Bob? Uh, we used to call it tuned in. Tuned in. Yeah. That's like the throwback to season one and two, but um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like things we tune back into new things every once in a while. So I, I was thinking we'd just go run the gamut, do sports, do movies, do music, do TV and books as well. And maybe even podcasts if you want. Oh yeah. Um, is there any particular place that you want to start, Bobo? Uh, no, there isn't any, any place is great. Sweet. Well, I think, and this will be good too. Um, so I say we leave sports to the end and we'll start off with TV. Uh, I feel like as the school year starts, TV becomes that, that crutch where that we lean on a little bit. Um, the hours between seven and 9 PM, boy, it's just like that time of the day, the prime time hours where it's like, you can't go to bed. You're done with most of the stuff. You don't want to work. So you turn, tune on the, the TV, fire it up. And I'm not always saying it's a good thing, but I'm curious. I was thinking maybe we could list off a few shows that we've been watching. And I, of course, want to just make mention that there's a new season of The Great British Bake Off. And last night we watched the first episode and I fell asleep immediately. <laughs> you remember when we predicted i think it was last season we watched yeah. one episode and then made predictions and i either got it or maybe the guy took second place um mm. yeah but do you have any predictions for who's going to win this season of bake off oh man i wish i stayed awake long enough to even see any of the contestants but i fell asleep during the i saw that they did some like stupid cover song and fell asleep <laughs> immediately uh, that's too bad because the next shot was a shot of a squirrel and I was thinking you might have predicted the squirrel was going to win it. Didn't even make it that far. <laughs> what about you? You got a prediction? Yeah, I'm going to put it out there. They've got this great guy named Giuseppe. He's Italian and he might as well be a Mario brother because that's exactly how he talks. Um, and man, he made some nice Swiss rolls to start it off on the signature. So I'll predict, I'll predict Giuseppe and I definitely want to see more of that guy. Oh, good. You know, I do have this memory of someone singing German as I was falling asleep. Yeah. They, they have a German guy named Jürgen. Yeah. He's, Jürgen. He, he's, he's my guy. Good too. He's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what song they were singing. Something good though. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, one of the hosts, Matt was singing a song in German. Um, and he yeah. really nailed it. I can't yeah. remember which one it was either. It was pitch perfect though. Yeah, it was. Um, so I'll, I think I'm going to start, I guess I'm going to start with the show that I really want to recommend to people. It's on Netflix and it's called sex education. 
uh, it, it's a sort of like a British coming of age type of show. And they're 50 minute episodes, which is, I don't, I don't know. It is what it is. Sometimes it's too much, but I find that if I make it to bed early enough, then I can get one of those episodes off and I've been enjoying it. I'm on, I think they have three seasons and I'm still somewhere in the first season, but I find it to be really heartwarming and the music to be pretty on point in general. And the characters just feel like well-rounded, you know, but it does have that like idea of a show where it's like they're supposed to be 16 and they all look like they're like 27, you know, and they're like, talk they're talking about sex in a way that no high schooler would ever talk about sex. That's true. Um, So it does have that, but it's like, it's much more interesting to watch it in a high school rather than watch it in like, I don't know, like a post-college, like, or even like in college. I just feel like the high school setting feels like a little bit more relatable and a little bit more like, I don't know. It makes it a little bit more quaint and sweet, but I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I definitely just got to recommend that one. Here's a question. Um, who do you feel like in this season, the newest season you really enjoyed the most? Like, uh, who's your favorite character in season three? Oh, sorry. I'm still on season one. Did I say I was halfway through season three? Oh, uh, I, I, I assumed you were because they just dropped season three. Yeah, no, no, I'm still on season one. Have you watched this show, Bob? Yeah, I've seen all of it. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't know any of the characters, so I'm on like episode five. Oh, good. Yeah, you got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I, I think will each say season gets better. So, oh, oh, good. I will say that the main character Otis reminds me of a young Tom Hanks. He's like mm. the perfect amount of like sweet and cute and nerdy and just like so relatable. Yeah, I think yeah. he's gonna he's gonna go places. That guy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad you're watching that show. I also think it's awesome. Yeah. All right, Bob. Who do you? What have you been watching? Um, I'll recommend a show on Hulu for my Huluites out there. Whoop whoop Hulu. <laughs> and it's called Reservation Dogs. Oh, you heard nice. that one? Um, yeah. I got to write that one down. Got to get my pen and paper out because I remember when that was coming out um, because it's Taika Waititi, right? Yeah, it is. That's right. Yep. Um, And I remember being just like so stoked about that. And like when I saw that was coming out, I'm like, yep, sign me up. But I don't have Hulu. So um, I was just pretending for the pretending because I know that's what all Huluites say. Hulu. (laughs) We do. We definitely do. Uh, but yeah, that is a great show. It's, um, all indigenous cast and crew and sort of a real revolutionary show in that sense. And it, yeah, it's just phenomenal. The, I mean, it's, it centers for youth and they're like, their lives in this reservation and um, yeah, I mean, indigenous activists have said how amazing it is and 
I've all also just really enjoyed it. Um, it's pretty short, you know, I think each episode is maybe like 30 minutes. And then I think there's only eight in the season. So, um, yeah, I would say it's, it's almost just worth getting Hulu just for that show. Dang. Yeah. And that also reminds me of another thing to, just a quick aside, I a show that's been on my list for forever is the TV show of what, what they do in the shadows. Also on Hulu. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Is this like a paid promotion for like to sign up for stuff? Who knows? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> God, I don't want to chill out that, but it's also like half the time you sign on to one of these things and you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking for or like what I'm supposed to be watching. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. I got another one for you, Bob. Yeah. Um, on my old Amazon account, the, well, I don't, I don't pay for any of them. So I'm just like using other people's, but on my Amazon account, I've been watching a show called upload. Mm. Uh, nobody really that famous, but it, the idea is that like the afterlife has been created in this like digital world. So you can upload your consciousness to like, they can take your consciousness and uh, like change it into computer code with all the memories and you can be a, like a computer program with your true self and you can live in this like glorified afterlife for forever, basically. Um, but there are like some glitches that come here and there with like the idea that like people lose their sanity because it doesn't, it's like not exciting. So they have to give you stuff to do like, you have to eat food because it helps keep, keep your sanity going. Um, or like things like you can communicate with people in the real world, you, you know, using like telephones still. Um, but, oh yeah. And then there's like tech workers that are called angels and they have like, they help you like guide through the afterlife. I will say it's not like a great show, but it's like an interesting enough concept. And um, I don't know. I, f I find myself enjoying the 20 minute episodes. Um, but I think it's like, you might as well watch the good place first, but when you're done with the good place, go over and watch, uh, upload. That sounds great. Yeah. I don't have an Amazon account, but I'd like to watch that one. Yeah. Sounds like a dystopian show. Is that true? Yeah, for sure. And there is like some intrigue and like a little bit of a murder mystery that goes on. Nice. Which I, don't, I don't know, but like the main character who we follow through the upload world, he was like killed in a self-driving car and we don't really know why or what, what was happening. I, th I think it has something to do with the idea that he was like trying to create uh, an, an afterlife where you didn't have to play pay credits, you know, because like the afterlife is owned by Verizon or it's called Horizon. And it's like, you know, it's a Taco Bell subsidiary and whatnot. And you can buy cheesy gordita crunches in the afterworld. But like he was trying to start a, like another afterlife where it wasn't like only for the rich. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about, it's all about your data plan with the afterlife. That's pretty good. Self-unification yeah. of the world in the afterworld. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. What else you got, Bob? I got one more for you. 
you remind me of dystopias. This is from all my, my Will Forte fans out there, which I believe I'm talking to one. Is that true, Dave? Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Am I still one? Probably not. <laughs> um, Dave, you ever heard of that TV show Sweet Tooth? No. It's on Netflix. Oh. For all my Netflixistas out there. Um, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's weird. No one talks about this show, but it's, it was really good. Super relevant. Dystopia. It's based on the comics. Um, and maybe here's why no one knows about it because it's a DC comic, Dave, and we live in a Marvel world now. That is so true. Isn't it? Yeah. All, all hail King Stanley. Yep. It's true. Ex- Excelsior. But I think you'd love Sweet Tooth. It's, uh, like it's the kid. It's based on this kid. And like, there's this virus, this disease that's gone on and, um, it creates these hybrids and these kids are like half human, half animals, but they're like mostly human, but they have like a little bit of a animal thing in this. And Sweet Tooth has like, he's like half deer. And so he, he grows like antlers and I think he can smell really well. Um, and he lives on this compound with his dad, like in the middle of nowhere. Um, but his, I won't spoil too much, but like he, he eventually has to leave and go back into the world and like back into like the apocalypse. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's like deals with all these things that we currently are dealing with pandemic, dystopia, isolation. Huh. I'm just like floored that more people were not talking about it this year. Yeah. Whoa. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Well, I got one last one. Um, I've been trying to watch two shows. One is on Apple TV, but I don't have it. So I've been trying to watch, it's called uh, Ted Lasso. That's the one that won all the awards this year Mm, Yeah, with with my boy, Jason Sudeikis. So I'm going to try and watch that one. It has... It's like a football coach from the United States getting hired as a football coach in England. Maybe I always uh, thought you were a Will Forte fan, but you were always really a Jason Sudeikis fan. Yeah. No, I love Forte too. He, I liked him in that one show, The Last Man on Earth, but then, I don't know, that show only had like five good episodes. Um, and then there's another one that I've been trying to watch on HBO Max called uh, white Lotus, but oh, it's like yeah. a, a murder mystery in Hawaii, but haven't, haven't gotten to that one yet. Um, and you know, mostly cause I just haven't wanting to take the effort to torrent them. But, um, the last one I want to recommend is on my Disney plus account. I watched Loki, um, this summer and got really, got me really pumped up for Marvel. I mean, I ended up watching a bunch of Marvel movies. Uh, not a whole lot to say, but it's just like watching the best parts of a Marvel movie for about 45 minutes. And yeah, the main guy, Tom, I want to say Tom Haverford, but that's the guy from Parks and Rec. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, he's so good. He also so, turned 40, 40 this year, Dave. He's, he's in the 40 and 2021 club. Oh man, you kind of look like Tom Hiddleston, don't you? We have the same basic like wrinkle pattern because we're about the same 
age. Yeah. You kind of, if you were to cross Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Hiddleston, you'd get Bob Mazler. Cumberbatch is not in the 40 in 2021 club. No, not even close. Um, yeah. Anyways, shall we move on? Get into, um, should we do books? Yeah, let's do books. Let's talk about the, the, we happen to be reading the same exact book right now. Yep. I'm, I'm reading, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, we're reading you the and it's called like no more having no and being had. Yeah. Having and being had. Yeah. That's the one. Yep. <laughs> nice. And, uh, we're reading it for book club with friends of the show, Mike Bishop and Daniel Cantrick. Yeah. Yeah. Any, I guess I'll share one thought. I've, I feel like Virginia Woolf is just a monster. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Virginia Woolf comes up in one of the chapters. There's Virginia Woolf coming up in another chapter later. Uh, she comes up a few times, like throughout the, like it's split up into four sections, right? So it's all about yeah. cap, like late capitalism and Eulipus trying to make heads and tails of what capitalism is. Um, so the, I can't remember what the first chapter is called. Do you Consumption. remember? Consumption. Yep. And chapter two is the second section. Sorry, not the chapter, but like section. The first section is consumption. The second is work. The third is interest or something. We haven't gotten uh, to that I think yet. it's investment, right? Investment. Yeah. And then chapter, and then there's a fourth one, which I, I haven't even looked at yet. Um, but it, throughout the whole work section, it they you know Eulabis breaks down. I love saying her name, Eulabis. Oh, speaking of which, Seinfeld's coming back to Netflix October first, Bob. <laughs> Seinfeld, they're always saying full names, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, full names. Real Todd Gack. Todd Gack. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Anyway. Um, I've been eating a lot of cinnamon babkas this week thinking about Seinfeld. <laughs> I've been, I've been, uh, I purchased a marble rye. Oh, good. Um, anyway, so she breaks down work into the idea of work versus labor. Oh yeah. And, um, the idea that work is like a little bit more noble. It's like this idea of like Plato and, Aristotle's like they do work, you know what I mean? And then labor is like what like we would think of as like service or like um yeah, it's like the people that do work are built off the exploitation of the labor force, right? Like um so and leisure is something sort of in the vein of work, right? So but Virginia Woolf, she is in this like leisure work section where she is like has people that are in service of her. And, um, she just despises these people and she thinks they're just disgusting. And it's just like, oh, it's really hard to read. Um, yeah. And I also really like the section on Guggenheim. Uh, I don't know if you got that far at the very end of the work section. There's a little tidbit on Susan Guggenheim and how she like hit all these great pieces of art and like basically started what Guggenheim is and like, sending money to people to do artwork. And she like sponsored a janitor named Jackson Pollock to like become an artist and gave him $150 a month to like sponsor his artwork. 
And Eula Biss is like, yeah. And like, here I am getting paid off by the aristocracy to do like, to, I think she won, wins like a Fulbright scholarship or a Guggenheim scholarship or something to like basically do art, um, which is writing in some sense. So it's like, I don't know. It's just a good book. Uh, it's entertaining and I've been enjoying it. And I just wanted to, those are the two big points that I wanted to think about. What about you? Yeah, it is good. It's um, so interesting. Like it's like just written in these two to three page chapters, you know, just little morsels. And that's so different. Um, Cause yeah, each one is like, it just a tiny vignette in her life where she's making observations on capitalism and it's really good. Yeah. It's just like, um, it makes me think and it presents what, you know, might, you might read Karl Marx capital volume one, or you might read Eula Biss, um, having and being had, you know, uh, I mean, of course you're not going to get the depth of Marx, but you get it through her lens when it's like this, you know, like everyday person trying to understand capitalism. And she's also real, real good about thinking through her, her whiteness and her, her, you know, her other social identities um, as a white woman, white middle-class woman. Um, And the, yeah, just the contradictions of, everyday life like she says that she can measure her life before and after before and after she bought a washer and dryer that was like a moment in capitalism that changed her life and that her house is basically just a big unit to to house her washer and dryer and what a, what a funny concept that is or you know what a thought-provoking um and as someone who you know, use the coin op for a long term time. Um, that that resonates with me. <laughs> do you own a washer and dryer right now, Bob? Uh yeah, now I do. So um it, it has changed my life. Nice. Uh perfect, Bob. Well, I think we need to move on to some other stuff. Uh I, th- I say we Dig into, I guess we got to go into movies and yeah, sounds good, Bob. Um, I think for movies, the only one that I, I guess what I feel like I, I want to be watching right now is eighties movies. And I don't know why that happened. Um, I haven't been watching any, but I've been like into this phase where I've been thinking about movies like the breakfast club, but also like a little bit more heady movies like St. Elmo's fire. Um, and really wanting to watch back to the future. And, uh, there's this movie that came out along with St. Elmo's fire. And I think it's, I can't remember who did it, but he's a pretty famous director. Um, he did a movie, it's called kicking and screaming. And, it's not the one that came out in 03 with Will Ferrell, but it's a movie that uh, it's kind of like a indie type movie. And I think, uh, oh, what's her name? The queen of indie, Piker Paraboo. What's her name? Not Piker. Uh, Piper? 
Yeah, Piper what? Uh, oh man, my movie knowledge just all of a sudden disintegrated into thin air. Isn't it Piper Parabell? Yeah, but not her. That's the that's the skier, right? Um, the the uh, is that no Piper Parabell's uh, actress? Okay. Yep. Well, um, <laughs> maybe, who are the like? Yeah, I remember those indie princesses or like you know yeah of the 1980s and 90s i mean i remember chloe savigny being one yeah yeah but it's not her oh it's parker posey oh yeah 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 parker posey and the director is noah bombeck so yeah and he's like squid and the whale and some other movies greenberg Um, greenberg <laughs> nice. Yeah. Anyhow, I think it's like right up your alley. And I've really been wanting to recommend kicking and screaming to you. It actually came out in 95. Um, and yeah, there's Eric Stoltz is in it. And part of the reason I mentioned the movie too is because I think there is a there is they there's like mention of the fact that like Eric Stoltz was Marty McFly. Um, and they ended up filming like over half the movie with Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. And yeah. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Merrick, Eric Stoltz is Marty McFly. And I guess in the movie, he was like, he was kind of looked like he was like Robert Smith of the cure. And you can like look at some of the scenes of like Eric Stoltz playing Marty McFly. And it's just like wild to see. I think there's a YouTube clip of it. Um, but it's like, what if they sent, you know, Robert Smith back to 1955 as opposed to Michael J. Fox. So anyway, that's, that's my movie recommendations. Get, get into the eighties people. Uh, I'll recommend a movie that, thank you, Dave. That's, I'm super excited about that. I'm really wanting to see that. Um, I will recommend, I don't watch many movies these days. I guess I'm these like streaming services got me hooked on shows now, but, um, I did see this movie. I think it was on Netflix. It's called freaks. You know that one Dave? 2018. No, I've never heard of it. And it's, it, it it does star your boy, Emil Hirsch. (laughs) Why is he my boy? (laughs) Oh, I'm just, um, saying all these, these actors from 20 years ago are guys that you used to love. That's true. Yeah. What Emil Hirsch is uh Alexander Supertramp, right? Yeah, that's right. From Into wow. the Wild. Yeah, Into the Wild. There you go. Yeah. Well, Freaks is another dystopian film. So good for our show here. And it's um basically like this something's happening in the world and it's not clear what it is, but it's very dangerous to go outside. And this dad, Emil Hirsch, is trying to raise this daughter. And like never take her outside their house. Um, and she's getting to an age of like eight or something like that. And she's just like, she can't take it anymore. But her dad like can't tell her why she can't go outside. Um, so it's, it's all this tension around like, she, I mean, she loves her dad, but she just like something deeply inside her wants her to go outside. And um, she, she does have some powers as well. I think she has telepathy. Um, so it's a great movie. 
Um, I think like that she has the powers. She's considered a freak. Um, so it has some, some good stuff around, you know, that is such a negative word, but she's like reclaiming it in a way or the movie is. And so another, another good dystopia. Ooh, good. Yeah. I'm hooked. All you had to say, all you had to do to hook me was say that you can't go outside. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all these great movies as, you know, analyses or frameworks for understanding our, our own situations. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. I right, feel Dave? like, well, I just want to say, I feel like we, the movie is kind of a dying art, isn't it? There, there's just not as much money to be made in putting like together these like multi million, tens of millions of dollars budgets for movies, you know? Oh, it's so true. It's all about like the, the four to eight, um, like episode series for Netflix or something. Yeah. That's I guess like I will say a new thing. I will say I'm excited about the Sopranos movie, even though I've never seen the Sopranos. <laughs> Good stuff, Dave. <laughs> wild, wild. And I like that James Gandolfini's son is playing someone in that. And I like that Ray Liotta's in it. Oh yeah, right. that's right. Should we go well, to sports, Bob? From one dying art of the movie to another dying art, the complete game shut out in baseball. Ah, oh, yes. Good. Yeah, we were pre-podcast, we were talking about how people, pitchers in sports do not get complete games anymore. And I feel like, I don't, I don't have the stat to back it up. Did you look it up? No, I haven't looked it up yet, but I, I mean, it's like definitely a thing. Like as of five or 10 seasons ago, that it's so hard to get a complete game out of a starting pitcher. Although, I mean, this is a trend that's been going on for the last hundred years, you know, like Back in the day, Walter Johnson, if he didn't get a complete game, you'd be like, what the hell happened? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like the top 10 pitchers, all of them pitch in the 1800s, right? Like Will White has 75 complete games. Um, old, old Haas Radborn has 66. <laughs> old you know? Haas? Yeah, it's like, and this year, you know, what's his name? German, Jermaine. Uh, for the Rockies. Walter Johnson yeah. has 531 complete games in his career. Oh, he does? And Oh, that's in a single season, Old Haas had 66 complete games. Yeah, that's right. It's the single <laughs> season mark that Old Haas had, yes. <laughs> oh, man. That's a lot. Can you imagine the innings? Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's crazy. Old Haas. Cy Young has 749, huh? That's, yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, you're right. It's like been trending down. I feel like you and I play fantasy baseball and I can't tell you how many pitchers go out there and they're throwing like four innings and they give up like two hits and a run, like whatever. And they just get yanked. And I'm just like, wow, that feels like a totally new, it feels like a totally new era of baseball where pitchers are going out and pitching four innings. Like, I don't know. And everyone's on a pitch count. And I think it has a lot to do with like where we're at with like velocity of arm speed and trying to get these guys to go for like 15 years these days. It's so different um, than when 
old Haas was pitching in the 1870s and he was probably throwing the ball like 60 miles an hour, right? He probably was. Yeah. I'm, if you go to the baseball reference page for old Haas Radburn, you look at his picture. Tell me that doesn't look like Will Forte. <laughs> oh, callback. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He only pitched 11 years. Oh, it does look like Will Forte with a mustache. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make him look like Will Forte. He just does. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different game, but it's been, it's just a trend that's going that direction. I wonder where, how much pitching will change. I feel like we're about, we're like on the cusp of like a pretty big pitching change where guys go out and pitch like, like a lot of teams won't even have starting pitcher pitchers anymore, you know? Yeah. Or, they, they'll start a bullpen guy. Yeah. Or may, yeah, exactly. Start a bullpen. I mean, you see that a lot, right? The fifth pitcher on teams these days is like just the bullpen, right? Going out and pitching. Um, yeah. I mean, there will always be like room for like someone that can carry like seven innings, but I don't know. I think there will be a radical change, some Billy Bean type methodology where you can like, rather than having a saver, you have like a opener, you know, some guy that pitches the first inning, inning every day. It's true, man. It's, and I mean, you know, this is a conversation that I could be, I could have for the next hour, but I realize most of oh, our, yeah. our fan base, most of our audience isn't quite so into, um, the whip of old Haas Radburn in the 1906 season or 1996 season, 1896 season, actually. But give us, give us a sports event happening situation that all of our listeners could get into. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's kind of like a, every, everything's tuned towards football, which is like boring. So let's move away from that. Um, and, Right now, the WNBA finals are going on, but I think to get hyped for the WNBA finals, if you really want to get hyped, you should go yes. find a YouTube clip and I'll, I'll even do it as I'm talking. Look up Secret Base. Secret Base is the name of this like sports YouTube channel that's really solid and look up WNBA final shot and you'll get the greatest shot in the WNBA finals history and they do a deep rewind of like the creation of the WNBA 25 years ago and 25 years ago and 25 years ago and Oops, looks like Dave and Bob have a technical error and got cut off. <laughs> this is your friendly editor Nadir speaking. Let me just use my editing powers to get them back online. Looks like we're back at it. I don't know. Something happened with their audio. Sorry, Bob. No worries. Who knows how much we lost? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure we're somewhere in the WNBA. Yeah. We got this. Uh, Well, I was just enjoying what you're saying. I do think that our listeners should go to that secret base, you know, last or like the best shot in the WNBA and I'll link it in the notes. The, when we're doing sports, I'm always thinking about like, if we can get Ryan Sitzman interested in what we're talking about in sports, we've done our job. 
but I don't think we've ever d- done our job um, <laughs> in terms of sports with with old Sitz Radburn. So um, we'll see if we've done yeah. it this week. Yeah. Well, let's see if we get a text message saying, "All right." Pretty interesting deep rewind on the WNBA finals of the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we have a few more categories, just music and podcasts. Yep. And I think we should just hit it up real quick. I don't have a lot to say about music. I've just been in a, in a nostalgic binge right now, listening to mostly just 90s one hit wonders and 90 songs partially based on the podcast 60 songs that explain the 90s which is a good one nice overlap yeah exactly um and yeah i think that's all i got to say about music right now nothing too deep anything you got bob have i recommended to you the group video club boy probably they're great um they're a French indie band, um, pretty good synth in there. Uh, they re- I think they released their album end of last year, maybe beginning of this year. And they're just light music, just good flavor. So you can throw them on for a, a jog or when you want a little bit of good vibes going on. And yeah, I like them a lot. Don't really understand mm. what they're saying because they sing in French, but I would recommend Video Club. Yeah. Nice. I mostly spend my time listening to uh, lo-fi hip-hop beats to chill and relax to on the YouTube. Yep. Um, It always gets me through my work sessions. And then I'm mostly just listening to podcasts and, um, you know, just the classics. Nothing nothing too gripping to recommend right now. What about you? Any good podcasts? Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I'm hooked on the... 60 songs that explain the nineties as we've talked about on this show before, but I think the podcast I'll recommend is it's a, it's a heady one. So you, you can't just always listen to it. You have to sort of be in the space for it, but it's called for the wild. And it's like hosted by this really sharp. She asks great questions. Uh, Ayana young, I think her name is she brings in all these very, awesome activists and radical thinkers and talks about intersections of social justice, environmentalism, and just, yeah. So she has great people. She brings in um, a recent episode with this academic named Thea Rio Franco. They're talking about like the idea of green, green renewable energies and like that they're often heralded as these great things, but what about all the extraction that takes place to get like lithium batteries that that's not never talked about. Um, and you know, actually green energy takes a lot of extraction and she's not saying let's not go green, but let's, let's also think about all that extraction. And, um, she makes this great distinction between extractivism and extraction, um, that we live in a society that's currently based on extractivism, but, um, and in our utopian world, we wouldn't have extraction, but maybe we actually have to, you know, if we want something like renewable buses, like solar driven buses, well, that takes lithium batteries. So that's a degree of extraction. So yeah, it's a good podcast for the wild. Love it. Yeah, I guess too, if you really want to get into a 
um, a non heady podcast, you can listen to uh, the rewatchables on the ringer network. That's just goes through old movies that are worth rewatching. And maybe that's why I'm on my eighties movie binge. And it's just fun to listen to, listen to these movies that we know so well, like total recall, a classic. Oh, classic. Cohagen. Give them these people deserve air Cohagen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he must not say deserve. Give these people air Cohagen. Did uh, Paul, Colin Farrell play that role in the remake of Total Recall? And if yeah, he did, how did he deliver that line? Yeah. I want to know who played Cohagen in either of those. <laughs> Did you know that um, Sharon Stone posed nude for Playboy to because she was showing off her bod that she got for Total Recall? Is that true? Yeah, wow. she like uh, she beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger pretty good in yeah. two scenes That's in right. that movie. And um, yeah, it's funny to think about the fact that he's like a uh, what you call it? He like kind of a dweeb in that. Oh yeah, he's like a, a nerd. Yep. Yeah. The original casting for the part of, oh, what's his name? What's the Schwarzenegger character name in that movie? Oh, yeah. It's like Bane Kimmel? or something. Or Kim, something like that. All right. We got to give the people what they want. They're probably screaming at their old podcast. Yeah, they all know it. They know it. Yeah, let's see. Nobody knows it. <laughs> There's not a soul that listens to our podcast that knows the main character from Total Recall. There probably is. It looks like his name is Douglas Quaid. 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 Um, and we might as well say, find out Ronnie Cox is Cohagen. Oh. <laughs> uh what were we talking about? Oh, damn. Oh, I'll also say re- that Brian Cranston is the remake's Cohagen. Good. Oh, oh man. This is pretty- almost as niche as Complete Games, their <laughs> whip for 19th century baseball players. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to say is the original character of Quaid was supposed to be Richard Dreyfus. Which is just wild to think about Dreyfus playing Quaid. Yeah, like, do we go with Dreyfus or Schwarzenegger? They're basically the same actor. <laughs> I just, I mean, I get it. Like, Dreyfus could have played the nerdy part pretty good, right? Yeah. But, like, when he actually, when you realize it's a deep fake and he's like, you know, he's been in recall the whole time and he's like, oh, he's really a secret agent. And it's like, nah, man. You can't have Richard Dreyfus actually beat up Sharon Stone. Like, in what world does that actually happen? Which begs the question, is it all a dream? Is it all just a recall, Bob? Oh, maybe that's why they actually should have gone with Dreyfus. Because <laughs> it's just some nerdy guy that is reliving this memory, going back to recall to get a new memory about recall. Well, we'll leave you all on that note. That seems like a fine enough note to leave the chitter chatter, don't you think? Yeah, it is. It is. And hopefully we get some angry mail from our listeners around this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Anything. The niche. Well, yeah. I'll give, I'll give this, the coordinates, Dave. You can send Please. that angry mail to uh, Dave Peachtree at gmail.com. Instagram is 
thriving underscore in underscore dystopia. Hit me up at Twitter, bmaze19. And then we have our lovely website, thrivingdystopia.com. So that should end us for this week, Davey. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll end it with a famous quote from Douglas Quaid, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Consider that a divorce. <laughs> All right. See you, Rob. Love you. <laughs> see you next week. What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Our new outro song is Box Goldberg Variations, Variato 3 a 1, by Kimiko Ishizaka. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.